think to Mitchell this time. Lance going to wind up and throw in. It is complete inside the 15. 10, 5, touchdown, Debo Samuel. Welcome to the Denim Dungeon, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Hustle Podcast Network. I am your host, Brian Rennick, a writer and editor at 49ers Web Zone, and I am joined, as always, by my fellow writer, my co-host, but most importantly, my good buddy, the South Tahoe OG himself, Tim Sprinkles. Tim, it's Friday night. The 49ers play tomorrow. How are you feeling, my friend? I'm excited. This is, what a great time. Honestly, like as a football fan, as a 49er fan, it's it's meaningful. It's it's the second round of the playoffs. Like this isn't wasn't a fluke that the 49ers are here. All eight teams are are good and legitimately have a have a stake and say that they could they could win the Super Bowl. They could make it to uh Levi South in Super Bowl 56. Like it's it's exciting. It's a really fun time to be a football fan. And I'm just pumped uh for tomorrow. I'm pumped to talk about the matchup because this is this is rare. Like we've had Kyle Shanahan at the helm for five years. And this is the second time he's made the playoffs. Obviously, the first time yeah. in 2019, uh, they made their all the run to the Super Bowl. They were up through three quarters, and that was just such a magical season and and such an incredible ride. Uh, there's been a lot of lows for the 49er fans in Shanahan's reign, mainly because of injuries and and teams underachieving. But this is this feels like the way it's supposed to be. We're, this feels like it kind of feels like the Walsh era in the 80s when the 49ers are now starting to make that turn into a team you expect to be in the playoffs and make a run every single year. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it it really does feel like that this team is built not just for success now, but for success in the future. A lot of young guys on the team, and there are some older players, and Trent Williams being one of them, even though he's the best player on the team and whatnot, but this this team does really feel like it is built to sustain success, not just be a little bit of a flash in the pan. And, you know, it is exciting. You're right. I'm that, you know, I talked about it in the last episode. I said that I was super nervous before that Rams game. And the big reason was because if they lost that game and didn't make the playoffs, I really wasn't looking forward to what that offseason was going to be like on 49ers Twitter, uh, just, you know, in the NFL landscape in general, because. I really do feel like Kyle Shanahan is a superstar head coach that he is the right guy to lead this team. And I did have my frustrations early in the season and I was humbled by Kyle Shanahan and what he was able to do to turn this team around. And so it does feel like, you know, we had the Harbaugh era and that was great. And I have fond memories, but you know, that burned bright and then, uh, panned out, you know, or what was it burned bright? And then, faded away quickly. And so, you know, this is year four. Kyle Shanahan obviously is going to be here for another at least two years, three years, hopefully longer. You know, can this be a Bill Belichick style situation where Kyle Shanahan is the 49ers head coach for, you know, two decades? Who knows? But it's exciting. And basically, it just feels like at this point, we're playing with house money. We are the underdog. There is not many people out there that are, uh, I think, putting enough respect on the 49ers name. And I am, I'm just ready for this game to start because we're at the point where, you know, Packer fans are posting 
uh, photos of Nick Bosa taking a whiz behind the bleachers at practice today. So I think we've jumped the shark a little bit and I'm ready for kickoff. Hey, when in practice, when you got to go, you got to go like it, it just it, it happens. But it's almost Seriously. like they're like they're trying to get him in trouble or whatever. And I, I kind of like that. I'm like, yeah, that's right. Be afraid of Nick Bosa. Try and get him in trouble just because he's taking a whiz behind the bleachers. Let's go. <laughs> well, you know, no matter what, like this is this is a great matchup. Uh, I, I'm very excited for the 49ers um, having having a real opportunity to go into Lambeau Field. And I believe the stat is. I heard it. I think I heard it earlier this morning on Good Morning Football, and only two, uh, two California teams in since 1950, two out of twelve have won um, since 1950 in Lambeau Field on the road. You know, in the playoffs, like it's a hard. I think place they said in play. December and January. I believe is what the what the what the stat was. So basically, the, the playoffs. Was? But yeah, it is December and January. That could be. You know the cold uh, winter months when yeah. it's when yeah, it's mean, exactly. meaningful football, really cold, exactly. really yeah. But so what a what a great opportunity, and the Forty ers are perfectly matched to go in and play uh, a very dangerous and potent uh, Green Bay Packer team that is led by Aaron Rodgers, a NorCal guy himself. This this Packers team is is really really good, really explosive. They've been dominant all year, but for some reason, I just, I look at the matchup and I, I think to myself, God, the 49ers really stand a good chance. Like if you're going to beat a team, the way the Packers are designed, the the 49ers are that team. So I'm, I, it's just one of those things where I'm, I'm excited to kind of get into the, into the matchups and talk about it. I've been watching the, the, the Joe Montana series on Peacock. I don't know if how how caught up you are but so far four episodes have come I out i need to watch three and four now i haven't it i watched so, the first two it's so good and it's for being for, for being a 49er fan right now in the playoffs and having the 80s nostalgia uh, coming back and right now they're like it's it's in the heat of the joe montana steve young uh quarterback controversy in the 87 88 89 seasons kind of right in that time Episode four was just, I was literally, I'm, as you know, I'm a huge Joe Montana fan and like ridiculous. Like he's the reason that I, I got into quarterbacking. I, I wore number 16, like all of those reasons. Um, it was just, it was so, in, he was so influential on me growing up that getting to finally watch a series on him is I'm riveted on the edge of my seat. You know, they did one for Michael Jordan um, in The Last Dance. They've done, you know, some for amazing athletes. But this one in particular, like, I'm just so pumped that it's like episode after episode after episode of my favorite player all time. You are the target audience. A hundred percent. Like if they were (laughs) if they did a demographic and they pulled like, you know, I'm I'm like a hundred out of a hundred points. Like I'm the guy. Somebody, uh, somebody that, or an account that I follow on Twitter, it's like a 49ers history account or this day in 49ers history or something like that. And they posted recently the, the game against the Giants in the uh, NFC championship game when Joe Montana without, went out with a, a plethora of injuries after that sack from Lawrence Taylor. And, and I, 
I quote tweeted that and I said, I vividly remember, vividly remember crying behind the uh, lazy boy in our living room because Joe Montana was out and uh, I, the 49ers were going to lose and I was devastated. What, wasn't it? It wasn't Lawrence Taylor, wasn't it? The last oh, you're name right. was it Lawrence. Lawrence Taylor. It was, um, yeah. oh, what was his name? Number, number 90 Lawrence. Last name Lawrence, I think. That's what it is. Yeah, I think something like, but yeah, regardless. Yeah, that, that injury though. And I just remember crying like massive tears behind the lazy boy. <laughs> well, it was a really devastating moment because it was it, the 49er franchise turned on that moment into, into a different, well, it was a different decade, but it was a different style, different dynasty. Like if you remember, like that was obviously changing of the guard. It went to Steve Young at that point. Joe Montana was never again outside of a half against the Detroit Lions. Um, a couple of years later, he was never the quarterback of the 49ers again after that hit. Yeah, bonkers. And now here we are again, right? It was are... Leonard Leonard Marshall. It just came. There in. it, it is, Leonard Marshall. Leonard That's Marshall. Right. That's right. Yeah. But yeah, so here we are again, 49ers in the midst of a quarterback controversy of sorts. Is this going to be Jimmy Garoppolo's last game? Well, hopefully not because we want them to win this game and move on to the NFC Championship game against either the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or a round three with the Los Angeles Rams. We'll have to see. But we want to analyze this game and basically take a look at uh, both sides of the ball. What, what, what are we looking for when the 49ers have the ball? And what are we looking for when the Packers have the ball? And so we'll start on the offensive side of the ball for the 49ers. And we will start off with uh, a bit of the numbers, just a little bit. Um, and so when it comes to offense, or let's just say, uh, again, we like to use, or I like to use DVOA, which is um, kind of like war in baseball, right? It's a, it's a measure of efficiency and value. Um, it calculates a team's success based on the down and distance of each play during the season, and then calculates how much more or less successful they are compared to league average, right? So in baseball, war stands for wins above replacement, meaning how much better is this guy than a replacement level player? And so that is the uh, that is the context behind DVOA. And so when it comes to overall DVOA, the Packers are ninth overall, but the 49ers are sixth overall. When it comes to offense, the Packers are second, and the uh, 49ers are fifth. And then um, if in we pass, break those in passing, in passing, yeah, well, I was say overall, right? Fifth overall. And then okay. if we break those offensive numbers apart, the Packers offensive passing DVOA is second. Their rushing DVOA is, eight, is eighth. And then for the 49ers, their passing DVOA is fifth and their rushing DVOA is also fifth. So I think I would like to consider that hashtag balanced. It, it's absolutely incredible. And I like, the, the thought of the fact that the 49ers are the biggest underdogs uh, going into the divisional round. And when you look at these type of metrics and th this stat, it is not an end all be all. It doesn't say everything. It For sure. It, Absolutely. Yeah. It, it gives you a very broad brush stroke of, of how, how teams did right in certain situations when they were playing. And in like the 49ers case, you would look at the DVOA, in the beginning of the year when they had some struggles on defense and there was some sputtering on offense. And, but then as they progressed into the end of the year, the numbers really started to balance out and get better. 
So it gives you kind of an, a broad overview, but don't don't base everything off of DVOA. But uh, just looking, the one thing, at- I was gonna say the one thing though about earlier in the season that I think is important to remember is that while the 49ers were three and five, when you looked at the underlying statistics, right, like DVOA and things like that, the statistics bore out that the team that we were seeing, or at least the results that we were seeing, to a certain extent, were unexpected, right, and and that had to do a lot with the 49ers lack of execution, um, some turnover luck and things like that. But uh, even at three and five, they were in the top 10 in DVOA, which meant that on the whole, they were performing better than league average, significantly better than league average. And they were just kind of losing the games themselves, right? They weren't getting necessarily beaten. They were losing those games. And so what I appreciate about this team is that while they were struggling early on, in terms of their record, their play outside of those miscues, which led to the record, you know, bore out that that they could pull themselves out. And and here we are. Right. They were eight and two over their last 10, which is the best record in the NFC. And they're coming in as six point underdogs. And ultimately, I think in in and we're talking about it now. But when you dig into the numbers, that doesn't necessarily seem like that might be a, a fair number for them. Right. And, and and like you said earlier, the 49ers are extremely balanced on offense. Um, and that's something that the Packers defense isn't that they, they don't have. Um, so when you when you look at the matchups and you say, what is the 49ers passing offense against the, the Packers passing defense? Well, you're looking at, a, a, you know, the 49ers being fifth, obviously being a balanced attack, fifth on offense, fifth on defense. Uh, the Packers are middle of the pack defensively uh, against the pass at 15. So it, it you don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is just going to light the world up. And and this is part of the reason why, you know, the Packers have been very similar over the years. They have they they kind of put all their stock in Aaron Rodgers, making sure that that they give him the opportunities. He's going to win the game on on offense. And then they have some pass rushers on defense. They have some playmakers in the secondary and they hope to get after the pass, uh, the passer, because they think in their minds they're going to be ahead at some point in the game, which means the other team is going to have to pass to get back into it. So that's kind of where they've stocked their defense. The 49ers are balanced in their their fifth offensively uh, in DVOA when rushing the football, and this is where they're really going to excel against the Packers because defensively. Uh, rushing their 28th and and so you're looking at a kind of a bottom bottom part of the the league in terms of how the Packers defend the run and and the 49ers as we all know they love to pound the rock and Kyle Shanahan does such an amazing job uh, scheming guys into positions uh, for success while running the football and it doesn't matter who's running who's running the ball uh, whether it be Elijah Mitchell or Jeff Wilson Jr., or Debo Samuel, uh, and at times George Kittle, like you're going to get clips uh, every time you hand the ball off on average because Kyle does such a good job in this offensive line, uh, loves to attack, and they can really, really take it to a defense. Well, and that was one of the things that was interesting. And, you know, people people like to look at uh, previous matchups, right? And Last week, they played the Cowboys. They hadn't played each other all season, so there wasn't really anything to look at. But the 49ers played the Packers at a game we were at in week three and and lost in a, on a last-second field goal. 
And one of the things that I remember about that game was that the 49ers rushing offense wasn't all that successful. And uh, it was one of their worst uh, rushing performances in, in I think, all season. And so, but, one but of, do you know who was their who was their right. leading rusher? Who was their? Well, guy? And I was going to say Elijah Mitchell was not in that game, so Trey Sermon was the lead back because Jeff Wilson Jr. still wasn't back. Mostert was already out, and so it was Trey Sermon and then a bunch of uh, practice squad guys. And not only that, but Debo Samuel was uh, only had two rushing attempts for zero yards, and George Kittle also was not in that game. So, you know, it's it's. That's where I was going to say is we can look at that game and say, yeah, the the Packers were were pretty good at stopping the run, but the 49ers weren't able to really get their actual rush offense going. So we did can't you, really Col- look at that to, did to, you say- to try and tell us what, you know, what we can look for on on Saturday. Yeah. Did you say that George Kittle wasn't in the game? Correct. No, I believe he was. He just didn't have any any rush yards. George Kittle never got the ball in a handoff. He actually led the team in pa- in receiving. He had seven receptions for 92 yards uh, against the Packers. My bad. I thought that he was out that game, and I was going to say that. Okay, my apologies. Yeah. Um, that was but, at the pre- previous game we were at against the Packers. Just That's that. right. That's right. <laughs> That's what it is. That's funny. That's funny. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it really isn't uh, the same rushing offense. And not only that, but the offensive line has has really come together as a unit as well and is blocking a lot better than they were in week three. And so, you know, we can't really look back to that game. We might be able to look back to that game and, and, and talk about how the Packers may be trying to attack this defense. But the other thing is, is that the, this defense is also not the same. Uh, this defense doesn't have, uh, well, we're, we're talking about the offensive side of the ball. We'll, we'll, uh, I'll hold off on that. But, um, you know, I, I think everybody out there that that is looking at this game knows that the key to the game is the rushing attack for the 49ers if they can get that thing on track uh you said it last uh last episode when the 49ers rush have 30 rushing attempts uh in a game or more since 2019 they are what was it 28 and 1 29 like and 1 29 and 1 right so what is the key to the game? 30 rushing attempts. I mean, and and not only that, but, you know, what does that accomplish for your defense? It keeps Aaron Rodgers on the bench, which is where he's least effective. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we know those types of things, right? Like, we, we understand the rushing attack wasn't necessarily at peak performance against the Packers the first go-around. You know, tr- um, Trey Sermon... It, God bless him. He tried his best, uh, but he didn't have a great game. Uh, I, I mean, you think about the fact that he was a highly, highly anticipated or highly touted, you know, prospect coming out of and out highly of drafted. Yeah, third third round, right? Yeah, third third round. round they traded second, up in the third round to get him to get him, and you know, he had he had ten attempts and he had thirty one yards. Like, not a rocket scientist to figure out you're just over three yards a clip, three point one. He did have a touchdown. Now, Jimmy threw two against the Packers, right? He had he threw two touchdowns, ran one. I just said Trey Sermon ran one. They had 28 points. Do you remember who the other rushing touchdown was? Kyle Juszczyk. Incorrect. Trey Lance. Oh, that's right. So that's, that's right. part 
That's no, the person that's, that I, I say, Trey wonder. Sermon didn't have then, then Trey Sermon didn't have a rushing touchdown. Kyle Juszczyk yeah, did. did. Or was that I, a receiving touchdown? No, it's because Tra- <laughs> Kyle Juszczyk scored the final touchdown, correct? He a receiving touchdown. Okay, that's what it was. Yeah. So Trey Lance, that's right. That's right. Trey that Lance. first touchdown to to close out the first half. Mm-hmm. So it he's the guy that I'm wondering, will he see the field? Because obviously there there's something that Kyle Shanahan saw we in, in that game, uh the first game against the Packers, where he realized he could exploit the Packers defense by putting in Trey Lance, running a read option, and then getting Trey outside to score. Uh it, I I'm I think I would love to see Trey Lance come in on occasion and change things up a little bit and just make it as absolutely as most as difficult as possible for the Packers defense to get any sort of rhythm and any any sort of understanding of the 49ers game plan and just just change it up a little bit. So my hope is, you know, Trey Lance sees some key moments in this game and it kind of eases the burden on Jimmy Garoppolo, if you will, where it's not all on his shoulders. He can do what he's what he needs to do. He needs to have a clean game. This is not a game where the 49ers are going to win if Jimmy Garoppolo throws, I think, even one interception, and it is it's going to be a nail biter. It's going to be real tough. If he throws two picks, I don't think the 49ers have a chance in this game. So limit yeah. the turnovers, Jimmy Garoppolo. Don't put the ball on the ground. Don't put the ball in the hands of the other team. And I think this is a game where uh, if if Jimmy Garoppolo has more than 20 attempts, I think they lose this game. Because, again, this game plan should be, and and not, again, not a knock on Jimmy. He's dealing with a, he's dealing with a, his thumb issue, dealing with a sprained shoulder, right? You want, if if you could have the 2019 game plan go for you this, uh, this time, 100% you take that every time, right? But I think the key to this game is limiting Jimmy Garoppolo's exposure, which means that, you know, limiting his pass attempts as well. But. I it's hard for me to think that this rushing attack can't gouge this defense because this defense is is coordinated by Joe Barry and it is very similar to the Rams defense the Joe Staley Rams defense which is something that Kyle Shanahan is familiar with attacking and so the interesting thing in in the first game is that when they initially came out uh they were coming out in an overfront and so they were actually um, stacking their uh, three down linemen uh, in between the tackles, and then their two outside linebackers were maintaining the edge. And because Trey Sermon doesn't have the same speed as uh, Debo Samuel or Elijah Mitchell, he wasn't able to get to the corner. They started to get uh, they started to get some momentum in the run game, but then again, they they just went down so far that they had to pass to come back. They've got to establish the run early, and they've got to stick with it. Because again, like I said, the best defense against Aaron Rodgers is to keep the ball out of his hands. And so before we move on to the defensive side of the ball, we wanted to pick uh, one player each who we think is going to make an impact in their attempt to play to win the game. But on the offensive side of the ball, we didn't want to go with the obvious chalk answers, right? Debo Samuel, Jimmy Garoppolo, Elijah Mitchell. We know that those three players have to have a good game in order for the 49ers to have any chance to win. So if neither, if one of those guys isn't having a good game, 
I don't see the 49ers winning. So let's assume it for the sake of this exercise that those three have a good game. Who else is going to make a, an impact towards winning this game? And so, Tim, I'm going to let you go first. Awesome. Um, so I, I already mentioned earlier that I, that my hope is that Trey Lance was going to to find his way on the field for for a few change of pace uh, uh, plays, uh, which I think he could be a significant impact. But I'm not going to go with him. Uh, I I really feel that Juwan Jennings needs to have uh, a very very solid game. Uh, he has clearly become the 49ers third down uh, target. And he is rapidly gaining trust with with Jimmy Garoppolo. And it seems like Jimmy is looking Juwan's way more often than not uh, on traditional pass routes. Now, Juwan Jennings is is not the fastest guy in the world, but he's a he's a pretty big body. Uh, He has the ability to run good routes and he finds himself open. Uh, and he finds himself open typically because he doesn't have the burner speed inside 20 yards, which seems to be where Jimmy Garoppolo thrives uh, in terms of getting the ball down the field. A very quick release, relatively accurate within that 5 to 15 yard range. And that kind of seems where like where Jawan Jennings seems to live. And he's making his money. He's not he's not Kendrick Bourne. KB seemed to be yet. Well, KB seemed to be a little different than Juwan Jennings. Juwan Jennings seems to have a bigger body. He seems to be stronger and he can position himself and win on routes when the defensive back knows or has a pretty good understanding of what Juwan Jennings is going to do. But yet his body is strong enough. He's able to to win those routes. It seems like, it seemed to me like KB was he was a little thinner. He was a little easier to knock off the route, but he was a little faster and, and he had those nice long arms where he was able to go up and attack the ball at the point and real, real strong hands. Um, KB uh, had real strong hands. Juwan Jennings has dropped a few. Um, well, I guess just like Kendrick Bourne did on occasion. But l- let's be real. Everything that Juwan Jennings does at the, at, at the end of this, this football season has been pretty spectacular. Um, just a real steal uh, in the draft. I know the Tennessee Volunteer fan base absolutely adored and loved Juwan Jennings, uh, and there's clear reason as to why he's a he's a stud. He's definitely, you know, in terms of having Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, um, what a good number three receiver, like that, like that that dude is everything that we were hoping Jalen Hurd would be. Um, 100%. He's, absolutely. He's the, he is that guy. He's durable. He's athletic. He's got a great attitude. He's a dog. He loves to block, getting into guys. Like he's doing all, all facets of the receiver game extremely well. That's my guy. That's my pick. Uh, if Juwan Jennings has, has a solid game, he doesn't have to eat up the stat sheet in terms of yards, but he needs to have three or four first down catches, maybe on third down. Um, who knows? end of the half, maybe end of the first half has a good out of bounds, you know, catch where he's able to tap his feet uh, and keep the, keep the sticks moving. That's my guy where I think he's, it's an unexpected impact is going to come from Juwan Jennings. Nice. I, uh, I actually debated for a long time 
whether or not Jennings was going to be the guy. And uh, at the last minute, I decided not. And I'm glad that I did because uh, you took Juwan Jennings. And I am still waiting for the day. And I don't know that it'll be this season. But I think Juwan Jennings is going to throw multiple touchdown passes in his career because he came to Tennessee as a quarterback and then converted to wide receiver. And so I think Kyle needs to take advantage of that skill set and dial up something and get in his bag and and get Juwan a passing touchdown. I think that'd be awesome. But the player that uh, I decided on was Tom Compton. And what I want from Tom Compton is to not hear the words Tom and Compton on the broadcast. That's my goal for Tom Compton. And if Tom Compton can keep his name out of Troy Aikman's mouth, then that is a huge win for the 49ers. And the reason being is because the Packers are getting back Zadarius Smith, their pass rusher, to to pair with Preston Smith on the other side, and that is quite the formidable duo. Uh, Zadarius is coming back from a back injury. He hasn't played football since September, so I'm not sure that he's going to have a ton of plays, but I'm sure he's going to be on the field. I'm sure he's going to be keyed up. I'm sure he's going to be ready, and Tom Compton is going to have to hold his own in pass protection because we know that he's good at, at, at run blocking. That's, that's where he shines, but hopefully his pass blocking holds up to the point where, like I said, I do not hear the words Tom Compton on the broadcast. And if that's the case, then that is a win for the 49ers and likely a, at least a, a big step towards victory on Saturday. So let's go ahead and switch it up. We're going to go on the other side of the ball when the 49ers are on defense the Packers are on offense. So obviously we know the Packers are led by uh, likely MVP Aaron Rodgers. And uh, or as I saw on Twitter today, a nickname throw Rogan, which I thought was <laughs> phenomenal. And I loved it. Um, That's pretty good. I haven't heard that. Is that awesome? <laughs> so the Packers, uh, the Packers on offense, their uh, overall offensive DVOA is second. Their passing DVOA is second, and their rushing DVOA is eighth. And then for the 49ers defense, the 49ers defense, their overall DVOA is seventh. Their passing DVOA is 16th, and their rushing DVOA is second. And so um, really what this means for the 49ers is that they are elite at stopping the run, and they are average at stopping the pass, uh, but overall a seven on the uh, defensive ranking. And so... Um, you know, the, the Packers beat the, or beat the 49ers, the Cowboys, the Packers beat the 49ers in week three. And, uh, a lot of times they did so, uh, from empty sets and, uh, exploiting the 49ers cornerbacks. Now there's some good news here, right? And the good news is that, uh, Josh Norman likely will not be in this game like he was in week three which is already a step up, which means that we don't necessarily have to worry about, uh, you know, whether Josh Norman hits his over under of one and a half pass interference penalties in the game. Uh, but the, the not so great news is that Ambry Thomas suffered a bone bruise in his knee in that Dallas game. He was a limited participant in practice all week and he is listed as questionable. And one of the players that the 49ers pulled up from the practice squad is Darquez Denard, who is a cornerback that they signed uh, three weeks ago. So, fingers crossed, Ambry Thomas starts opposite Emmanuel Mosley. What are you looking for 
uh, on the defensive side of the ball, Tim? Well, I mean, you, you brought up a great, great point with, with Ombre Thomas and the fact that he has a bone bruise. I, I, have you ever had a bone bruise? I know that they are extremely... No, I haven't. They're extremely painful. And probably the best way that I can describe it is they hurt like hell, but no matter what you do, you can't really make them that much worse. So you don't really risk uh, permanent injury with a bone bruise. Uh, it just, it really, really hurts. And um, I, I think I think Thomas is going to play. I, I really think that he's, um, I mean, you're, you're talking about the divisional round at Lambeau Field. Uh, yeah, I would do everything I possibly could to get on that field. So, and I think Thomas is going to do the same thing. And he's really, really excelled um, over the last few weeks. He's really grown up in, you know, in our eyes. We watched him come in as, as a, as a rookie who, who took the COVID year, took the COVID year off and you could see that he was rusty and, and that he wasn't necessarily playing up to his, his draft position, if you will. As the year progressed, he got better and better. The more time he spent on the field uh, and and was able to get back into action, uh, he's become a really solid defensive back. And I have, I, there's not one like if you told me that that Aubrey Thomas is gonna, is going to have to guard Devonte Adams, I'm going to tell you, well that that sucks because. Devontae Adams is pretty much the best receiver in the league with the league MVP at quarterback, but it's not like I'm like, I'm not saying, oh my goodness gracious, there's no way he can handle it. Devontae Adams is going to get his. We know that. It, we understand that Aaron Rodgers is, is going to play well for the most part. We're just going to see if we can get one or two mistakes. We want to see if we can make Aaron Rodgers throw an interception or it maybe it's not an interception, but it's forced into a couple of pass breakups or a couple of bad throws, and you want to see the you want to see the punt team coming out uh, on a three and out, and and I think that's going to be the key to to what the 49ers do. They're they're gonna have to stop Aaron Rodgers early because if he gets rolling and he gets that confidence going, then. We know physically there's like no match for an Aaron Rodgers, but but mentally, in my opinion, is where he can falter. He there is this sense about he wanted to go to the 49ers uh, out of college. He you know he went to uh, to Butte College and then he went to Cal Berkeley. So he's a Nor NorCal guy, a Bay Area kid. And he wanted to go to the 49ers. He wanted to be drafted by the 49ers, and he wasn't. So there's always been that resentment. And But the 49ers have kind of owned him uh, in the playoffs. There's been... He's 0-3 against the 49ers in the playoffs. And 0-3. And, and, and that just tells me, mentally, there's a hurdle that he has trouble getting over. And the first time that he beat the 49ers, really, it recently... Was was when the four like last year when the 49ers were depleted, and if you remember that game, it was like the JV squad against Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers cooked them. Just and it was it was the way it was because that's there was zero chance. So mentally speaking, I don't really know how much Aaron Rodgers got out of that victory because he it was a hollow victory. 
now against the 49ers earlier this season, you could see how, like, I mean, the 49ers came back, had a game uh, or had a drive where they took the lead with 42 seconds left, I think is what it was, if I'm remembering. 47. 47 seconds left. And and then he came back and Crosby was able to kick a a really great field goal from, you know, I think it was, what, 47 yards, 52 yards, something like that. And yeah, I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, it, but it, it was, it was, a, it wasn't a gimme for sure. Right. So that was the time where Aaron Rodgers has had success. So has that gotten him over the mental hurdle? And is he going to treat the 49ers like every other team in the league where he just dices them up? Or is, is there still something for him to get over? And if the 49ers are able to come out early, force a couple three and outs, get to him, sack him, make him think, I'm not going to be comfortable back here at all. And and when it's cold and you get hit, it hurts. Like let's I know these guys are tough, but hey, Aaron Rodgers is human. When it's nine degrees, ten degrees, if there's a little snow on the ground or the ground is frozen, like and you get hit and planted into the ground, you're gonna remember that. And that so that's what I'm hoping for. That's what I need to see from the 49ers defense is that they get after Rodgers early. And they make him th- make some throws. Ombre Thomas, he's going to be tested. You don't have to get interceptions as much as we'd love to get turnovers, but just force a couple of throws that that little little inaccurate. Bat the ball around, see what you can do. Make Devontae Adams uncomfortable, but most importantly, you know, defensive line get after Aaron Rodgers. Nick Bosa needs to pick his spots, and and Eric Armstead and DJ Jones in the middle. Which is the you know one of the one of the different things that the Packers did not see early in the year is Eric Armstead was an outside rusher uh, at the beginning of the year, and now he's primarily an inside rusher, and he's doing a darn good job. Eric Armstead is earning his contract this year. He's doing a phenomenal job, and and he's getting better as the season progresses. And so that's something the Packers did not see earlier in the year. So Eric, Eric Armstead. Gonna get pressure. DJ Jones, make a spectacular play. Uh, Nick Bosa, pick your spots, get after Aaron Rodgers, get a couple of sacks, and then and then hold the line, hold fast secondary. You know there's gonna be completions. Don't give them easy ones, don't give them freebies, no defensive pass interference calls deep down the field. Make them earn every yard, keep everything in front of you. And I think that's how the defense is gonna have a shot against the you know the mvp of the league this year yeah there's there's quite a bit oh i don't want to say quite a bit but there's a fair amount that is different about this 49ers defense than when they played in week three like you said that eric armstead move inside uh the other big move inside was arden key Um, again in week three arden key was a seldom used uh, edge rusher and now he is a presence in the middle of that uh, line on passing downs um Aziz Alshire has had his uh, emergence, and they're going to have all three of those guys on the field in Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, and Aziz Alshire. And then we we touched on it as well. Josh Norman will not be starting. Uh, well, hopefully, uh, as long as Amber Thomas can go, and and we are hoping and and assuming that he will. And so, not only that, but but it really feels like the def- the defensive line has found a groove, especially these last uh, I would say three weeks. When they faced the Texans, the 
Rams and then the Cowboys. They are a relentless pass rush right now, and it's coming from everywhere. It's not just coming from Nick Bosa. And the thing about that Green Bay game uh, that you know you and I were were talking about on our walk back to our car because uh, uh, that was a, a trek and a half, but we couldn't figure out what it was like. Why wasn't the defensive line getting any pressure? And then you look back at that game and you see, oh man, like Aaron Rodgers is. Aaron Rodgers getting rid of the ball in, in less than two seconds. It was, you know, I watched a, a couple clips today of one of the completions where they went to an empty set. Kwan Williams was guarding the guy in the slot and they ran a slot fade and Aaron Rodgers had the ball out of his hand when his back foot hit on that fifth step and it traveled, you know, 25 yards in the air and just dropped right in the bucket. And, you know, it's like, I mean, Nick Bosa flashed across Aaron Rodgers face, but the ball was already out. And so, the 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 key is the key is to get pressure. The key is to is to is to hit Aaron Rodgers uh, to make him feel that that pressure. And I think honestly, the key is going to be pressure from up the middle because uh, David Bakhtiari is back, uh, the All Pro left tackle who had missed, uh, I believe, the entire season. Uh, this will be his first game back. So again, as good as as Bakhtiari is, maybe that's an advantage there. Uh, but their their tackles are are excellent at pass blocking. So, you know, you can't really count on on the pressure coming from the edges. So those guys inside, Eric Armstead, DJ Jones, Arden Key, Contavious Street, those guys are going to need to get pressure uh to to, you know, take uh take the pressure off of uh off of Bosa and then Willis Ebukam and um Omenahu. But um you know, I think what we have to understand is that, you know, a couple of things. One, Devontae Adams is going to get his, right? Just know that. Just know that Devontae Adams is going to get his. And likely he's going to have from between 5 and 10 receptions and anywhere from 80 to 120 yards and a touchdown, maybe two. But the key is, if he's going to get his, then you can't let anybody else get theirs. And one advantage uh, this week is that uh, it sounds like Marquez Valdez-Scantling, their uh, kind of their speed receiver, is going to be out, so that deep threat is uh, not necessarily there. But Randall Cobb is coming off of IR as well, and he will be back. And so, you know, Aaron Rodgers is is going to be Aaron Rodgers. And so, again, to me, the best defense is going to be a a ball hogging offense, and and that is my hope. And if if they can control time of possession, then I think this defense can get at least one or two stops which ultimately in a game like this might be all that you're looking for. And so my key to the game is interior pass rush uh, because, I mean, you can't really, you can't really expect these, these corners to cover uh, these receivers that Green Bay has uh, for longer than two to three seconds because Aaron Rodgers is going to find the guy that, that is going to exploit that. And so, you know, you got to make him nervous. You got to make him feel the pressure. And then, like you said, if he can get planted a few times, that's going to be in the back of his head. And then I think uh, I think they're off to the races. And so just like on the offensive side of the ball, we want to pick one uh, player that we think is going to have an impact on the defensive side of the ball to help the 49ers play to win the game. And so I let you go first last time. I'm going to go first this time. And uh, the player I'm going to pick is Arden Key because, as I said, I think that interior pressure is going to be key against uh, Aaron Rodgers on Saturday. And if Key can get 
two, three, four pressures, a sack, a sack and a half. Uh, I think that's going to be an incredible game from that inside there. And if those are numbers that he's getting on the inside, I imagine that what that means is that pass rush is getting home consistently and the uh, Packers passing offense is out of rhythm. And that is is really what you need, because I trust this defense to shut down the Packers running game. Uh, You know, they're the second ranked uh, uh, defense against uh, the run uh, with DVOA. And then they haven't allowed a a 100 yard rusher since I I mean, that Cardinals game right with the uh, against Colt McCoy. Technically, there was one the one against the Seahawks, but. I don't want to count that one because 75 of those of those yards was a fake punt um, that that got taken to the house. So um, I trust them to stop the the run. And so uh, I think Arden Key is going to be key Hi-yo! to uh, victory for the defense. Tim, who you got? Well, I talked about him earlier, and I think Omri Thomas is going to be the guy that that is going to be the unexpected uh, difference maker in the game. And and so not only do I think it's it's been his his development and the time he spent on the field and we're seeing him getting better week to week, but it, I'm also going to throw out a theory why I think the 49ers defense has been improving throughout the year and I I think that it's it's the fact that they've been getting to to practice against Trey Lance who is really starting to emerge uh as as somebody who's making plays and gaining the respect of the defense. Now, Fred Warner at the beginning of December uh, had a conversation with Trey Lance and, and expressed to him that he needs to stop, uh, stop hesitating and he needs to start making or taking chances and making things happen. And, and since that point in early December, uh, Fred Warner has sung Trey Lance's praises, right? And, and I think this is when you play against a dynamic quarterback every single day in practice, Trey Lance, he can dice you up passing. He's going to he's really smart and he can understand the defense. Uh, he's got a very strong arm. He can be very accurate. He can throw on the run like there's just so many things that you're seeing on a daily basis. I think that's part of the reason. And it's obviously this defense is a culmination of uh, of a few different things. Uh, you know, D'Amico Ryan's coming into his own as a defensive coordinator and and really understanding his personnel and his team and making really, really good calls at the right times, bringing pressure, uh, you know, at, at key moments in the game. And, and hey, like we saw against the uh, the Cowboys, sometimes you get burned like on that Amari Cooper uh, inside slot fl- or inside slot fade. Um you know, the 49ers bought pressure and and Dak dropped it right in the bucket to Amari Cooper. That's it's OK. I'm willing to take those because uh, more times than not, Ryan's has been successful and correct in calling and dialing up pressures at certain times. Like so I think his his rise to to uh, pretty much stardom in, in terms of a defensive coordinator, first year defensive coordinator, getting head coach interviews. Uh, he's considered part of the brain trust of the Shanahan group. Like he's he's doing everything right at the right time. Quite the rookie season for him. Absolutely. You know, it's just phenomenal. 
and he's ready for this moment. And I think so the emergence of a great defensive play caller and a defensive coordinator in D'Amico Ryans, I think you, you combine that with the fact that we're, we now have uh, a talented rookie who's had some PT and has been getting better on the outside. And we no longer have the liability of Josh Norman as on one side. And you have a healthy Emmanuel Mosley on the other. So now you have maybe not two stars at corners, but they're solid. They're not, they're, they're not the glaring weakness of the team. And when you round that out with the secondary of, of Jimmy Ward and Jaquaski Tart, who are playing excellent, they're flying around, they're playing downhill, they're attacking everything. Those two are, you know, the two most underrated safeties in the game. Jimmy Ward and Jaquaski Tart. And I don't think it's any debate the fact that they're very, very good football players and they don't get very much uh, publicity, uh, love, or, or attention from the national media. And I think that's just, it's, it's criminal in my opinion. So you have the one weakness that everyone talks about, like anyone in the national media, you talk to anybody throughout the season and what's the 49ers weakness? Oh, it's their secondary. Well, not really anymore. They are they are playing better. They are playing aggressive. If you've noticed, there's far less defensive penalties, far less defensive pass interference calls down the field. And it's 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 just it's happening at the right time. And so the emergence of Trey Lance playing extremely well on scout team, the emergence of Ombre Thomas and the secondary getting healthy and then moving Eric Armstead inside and having an inside presence on the defensive line. And obviously you have your guys on the outside led by Nick Bosa. This defense is formidable. All of it's kind of gelling together at the right moment. Um, that to me, so the long-winded answer, Ombre Thomas is my, my, my guy that we're looking for. He's the unexpected difference maker. But just in general, this 49ers defense is gelling at the right moment, and I'm getting hints. I'm getting feelings of that that Baltimore Ravens team that unfortunately beat the 49ers in the Super Bowl early. What was it? 2012, 2000, um, 2012 season, 2013 yeah. was when the Super Bowl was played. Yeah. Yeah. So so I'm getting feelings of of that type of a team that squeaks into the playoffs. Um, and then has some really miraculous wins to kind of progress through. And they, they kind of feel like that team of destiny. They feel like it's, it's their time. They're meant to be doing it. The 49ers, they, they eked into the playoffs, but they're playing some of their best football of the season. And they have a certain swagger to them. They, I mean, the, the national media calls them bullies. And they are because they play bully ball. They, they'll run the ball down your throat and they're going to play everything in front and run downhill and attack you on defense. And watching them walk out at half, or, uh, before the game with the boom box, the guy with the boom box on his shoulder and Trent Williams and Debo Samuel leading the way, uh, getting their swagger on. Like This is a confident group of guys who believe in themselves and the talent they have and what they've put together. And I don't think uh, there's any hesitation in their mind when they think that they can, they're the best team in the NFL in their minds. I, Whether, think I 100% agree. I think they believe that. 
You know, I know you brought up the Ravens and it reminded me, somebody brought this up earlier today on Twitter and I was like, oh, that's actually really good. I never thought about that. He said that this 49ers team reminds him of the Giants team that ended up beating the uh, 49ers in the NFC Championship game when Kyle Williams muffed those two punts. And uh, they went oh, on to right. So they were to think about they, it. Hurts. So that was a that was a nine and seven New York Giants team that came in uh, as a wild card and went on the road and won three games, including that NFC Championship game. And the other thing that's interesting is that it, it is actually really comparable when you look at those quarterbacks. So you look at Eli in t- 2011 and Jimmy in 2021. So Eli in 2011 was 359 of 589 for a 61% completion percentage. He threw 29 touchdowns and 16 interceptions, and he had a 2.7 interception percentage and 8.4 yards per attempt. In 2021, Jimmy was 301 of 441, so 100 and, oh, sorry, yeah, 148 less passing attempts, but he had uh, a 68.3% completion percentage. He threw for 20 touchdowns and 12 interceptions for a, 2.7% 2.7% interception percentage and 8.6 yards per attempt. So again, eerily, eerily similar um, stats as Eli. And again, a team that, that came into the playoffs and, and their, their, uh, their game plan, their, their blueprint was the same and especially on defense. And it was a pass rush. that got home and bothered Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, and they ended up winning. So you know, the 49ers are a team that could ride their defensive line all the way to the Super Bowl and a defensive line as impressive as as this 49ers defensive line can absolutely lead them to not only a Super Bowl, but a Super Bowl victory. And so the first step to getting there, obviously, is beating the Packers tomorrow. And so uh, that's going to bring us to uh, our predictions before we get on out of here. And so I'm going to throw out my score prediction. Uh, you tell me yours and then, uh, and then we will, uh, we will see, we'll, we'll see who, uh, who was closest or who was right. And so I am going to say I all week, I thought to myself that I was going to pick the Packers because it's hard to bet against Aaron Rodgers, but it really does feel like this team, uh, matches up really well against this Packers team. It's a team that the Packers likely did not want to see. They assumed they would, though, because they started getting ready for the 49ers prior to the 49ers-Cowboys game, which tells you what kind of respect they have for the 49ers. But I am going to say how do you the know 49ers... You live, how do you know you live rent-free in somebody's head? Yeah. Well, or, like Shanahan or, uh, lives rent-free in LaFleur's head. There's yeah, no doubt also, in my mind. Also, it's it's funny to me because it's like, yeah, the 49ers are way better than the Cowboys. Like they they knew it, right? They knew no, it ahead of time. No one in the national media was willing to admit yeah. it, but no, the, the NFL know. teams were like, Yeah, okay, okay. They're the, yeah. this team's way better. Yeah. So I am going to say that the 49ers are going to win this game twenty seven to twenty three. Wow. Okay. Twenty seven twenty three. Do you think that uh, it's is it four touchdowns and either a missed extra point or uh, a tried two point conversion and a fail or is it it's three, three touchdowns, touchdowns and two field goals? Okay, so that's that's five scoring drives. That means Jimmy Garoppolo in Lambeau Field 
with freezing temperatures led the 49ers to five scoring drives. That's that's a bold, bold prediction. And to say that it is going to be uh, a victory larger than a field goal is another bold, bold prediction. Uh, I'm going to... Uh, now, I I don't like the fact that both of us, like, this is not a Homer podcast. Like we, we try to be objective. We try to understand and think that what really is going to happen, um, not necessarily, it's always going to benefit the 49ers and we're always going to pick the 49ers. Now that, that being said, I'm going to pick the 49ers, not, not because I'm, I'm a Homer, but when you look at the matchups, it just seems like what the 49ers do very well is they run the football. They run the football. They put people in good positions. Kyle's able to scheme guys uh, and, and, and basically put defenders into a position where they're either undisciplined or out of place. And the 49ers are able to capitalize on that. Now, when, when the, 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 the weather is so cold like it's going to be in Lambeau Field tomorrow night what would you rather do would you rather throw a football or would you rather run the football you you'd rather run it when it's ice cold and and it hurts hitting hurts um you know you're not going to throw the ball all around the field so in the cold weather running the football it, it makes me think that that favors the 49ers a little bit even though Aaron Rodgers is there like he's going to get his and I'm not saying he's not but I don't think he's going to put up 500 yards tomorrow night he's just not going to do that so you're looking at a game that's probably going to be a little slower and in the 49ers favor and then defensively my hope is that hey I think the 49ers can keep things in front uh no uh you know MVS right Marquez Valdez Scantling uh, the deep threat necessarily isn't going to be there besides Devontae Adams. Safeties, you can play uh, downhill. You can keep everything in front of you. You can attack and run uh, and hit hard because the 49ers defense is a bunch of bullies. And I fully expect that the 49ers defense is going to make their presence felt. This is going to be a game where I think it's a little bit lower scoring. I think we're going to see uh, right around uh, 24-20 49ers. Um, it, it's going to be, I think, three touchdowns, and then we're going to get a late field goal. Um, and it's going to go from 21-20 to 24-20. And then Aaron Rodgers is going to uh, have that that last second drive. But this time, I think the 49ers are going to make it so that it's not successful. And he can't kick the field goal to win it. But he's gonna. They're gonna get into San Francisco territory as the game's winding down. A, a lot like the the Dallas Cowboy game, but the 49ers defense is gonna hold tight, and and it's gonna end with 49ers going to Tampa Bay. I like it. I like it. And uh, the nice thing is, uh, if we, and we've said this before. If the 49ers win and the Rams win, then the 49ers get a home playoff game. For the <laughs> NFC Championship game, so uh, that uh, might be pretty cool as well. But um, yeah, and I'll tell you what, uh, I am—I have already saved uh, that photo of uh, Nick Bosa taking a whiz behind the bleachers. 
And uh, if the 49ers <laughs> win on Saturday, I am 100% going to be using that all over Twitter uh, to respond to Packers fans who talked shit before the game about the 49ers. And it's just going to be, I'm just going to quote tweet it with uh, that photo of Nick Bosa. And I'm going to say what Nick Bosa thought of this prediction. That's it. That's all I got. I love it. I'm excited. I am That's excited. Great. And uh, we both think that the 49ers are going to win. So uh, I'm excited for the game. What I'm not excited about is this is going to be the fourth game in a row that uh, we have not been able to watch together. Um, you uh, cannot get rid of the vid at your house. And so um, the good news is the last time we watched a game together was the Titans game and they lost. So <laughs> maybe it is good news that we are we are keeping that tradition uh, together. But that 49ers game will be, uh, well, you, if you're listening to this, it's likely Saturday. And so that is a kickoff of 5.15 p.m. And uh, Tim, before we get on out of here, anything else you want to share? Uh, well, I mean, it's two things. One, uh, the lucky two flaps down hat that uh, I, I, I purchased at the uh, Houston Texans game, which as soon as uh, I, I got it in the second half because it was so bleeding cold uh, at, at the 49er game uh, when I was there. And then uh, Trey Lance turned it on in the second half and had a, had a much better half. So I was wearing that hat during, during that. Uh, I didn't wear it for the first, uh, pretty much the first half against the Rams. And just before half in the last drive, I put it back on and, and they kicked a field goal and then had a fantastic second half. And then, uh, in the uh, game against the Cowboys, I had it on early. I took it off because I was sweating. And then the Cowboys came back and I put it back on and the 49ers won. So I'm going to be wearing that hat the entire time in honor of Lambeau Field and how cold it is. Uh, no matter how hot Smart. it gets. Smart. This, I like it. The lucky two, two flaps hat uh, that's going to be on. And then secondly, my, my last question to you is, uh, real quick, who's going to win in the other playoff game on Saturday? Is it going to be the Bengals or the Titans? That's tough. That's a tough one. I, you know, the thing that's cool, um, I just saw on Twitter, uh, <laughs> somebody, uh, somebody showed, it must've been like a memory of January 21st, 2018 the NFL posted like this cartoon and it was like, welcome to championship Sunday. And it just had the four quarterbacks that were playing on championship Sunday, championship Sunday, case Keenum, Nick Foles, Tom Brady, and Bork Bortles. <laughs> Blake Bortles. Bork. It, yeah, it, that was championship Sunday. And I'm like, man, like this is not, this is still the divisional round, but, like the two worst quarterbacks are Jimmy Garoppolo and Ryan Tannehill. Like both those guys are way better than Blake Bortles, Case Keenum and uh, Nick Foles. Nick so, Foles. Um, I'm just excited for a good game. I It's hard for me. Derrick Henry is going to be back. So I'm going to go with the Titans just because they're at home and they've got their battering ram back. And I just don't think that that Bengals defense is going to be able to stop him. And as much as I love Joey B and that high flying offense, I just don't think they're going to have enough. And I'm going to pick the Titans. It's a, it's a good choice. I'm going to pick the Titans as well. 
just because the uh, Cincinnati Bengals have started calling Joe Burrow Joe Cool. Yeah, um, f that. Stop, no, thank stop you. that. That's no, Joe Montana's it. nickname. Stop it. Stop it. Stop right it. now. Seriously. Okay. So because stop of that, it. Cincinnati, uh, I'm picking the Titans, and there's no, no, there's no nothing in the world that makes it okay that the the Cincinnati Bengals, the team that Joe Montana beat twice in the Super Bowl can take his nickname away from him. He owns you in Super Bowl 16 and Super Bowl 23. All right. Unacceptable. So go Titans. Yeah. Go drown in some skyline chili, Cincinnati. Do not call Joey Burrow Joe Cool. Nope. No, sir. All right. What about Sunday? Bills Chiefs. Who you got? Oh, uh, Bills. Uh, I think it's Josh Allen's time. I think the Kansas City Chiefs have been running. Uh, they've 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 had a hot streak. They've really rolled um, since early in the year when they had the but t- same record as the 49ers, like two and four. It was something crazy, and then they just went on a run. Yeah, and they've yeah, been they've, phenomenal. They're eleven and one in their last twelve games. So it's it's time. It's time for their their run to end. Uh, Josh Allen just have the same type of game, man, that you had in the in the wild card round against the Patriots. I mean, he, they're yet to punt. They are yet to punt in the playoffs. Just I'd like to see that. I want to see how long that streak goes to open this game. Oh, it'd be great. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to take the bills as well. Uh, the bills have a better defense and I feel like those offenses are pretty even. So I'm going to go with uh, the bills. And then in that uh, second NFC game, uh, you, I know you're predicting Tampa Bay because uh, oh. you said it already. Um, I'm actually going to go with the Rams. I think the Rams are going to win that game. And then it is going to be Rams V Niners in Levi South for the <laughs> NFC championship game. Rams Niners. The rubber three. match. Oh man. The rubber match. Think about, think, think about, think about this. Like if the 49ers are able to do that and the Rams were able to do it. And you remember in the nineties, there was this period of time, late eighties, early nineties, where the the biggest foes for the 49ers were the Cowboys, the Packers, and the Rams in the NFC. Yeah. And to be in 2022 to roll through all three of those opponents en route to Super Bowl, that'd be something pretty darn special. That's pretty good. Not only that, but I would love to roll through the Rams for a second time in their place so that we could play a Super Bowl in, in their, their place. place. <laughs> <laughs> Suck on that. All right. Well, that's all we have for you tonight. We will be back with our review of the game. Hopefully it will be positive. And uh, yeah. Go Niners. Bang, bang. Niner gang. Yeah. Victory is in the air. Can we please have a moment A prayer for them boys out in Dallas in despair? Who's next up? I really don't care. Shanahan against LaFlair. What we do, they cannot bear. With the runner through the air. Scared. Debo like a Chico with a deep throw. Going deep though. Let the other team know. We can run up in Lambo like a Lambo. Lead the defense throws like a Lampo. My homie Trent is an arson. Michael was not up to parson. We bought the lock of Devontae. K1 is raising the bar some. Moves like a shark. Our secondary is playing with heart. Look at the face of their fan base. Tasting mouth is bitter and tart. Yeah, run through the screen with a play. We executing it awesome. We making green in the bay. 
Ain't nobody scared of Wisconsin. Armstead and DJ go harder. Plus, D'Amico is preparing. So we airing out. Roger, skip Bayless. Ha, 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 ha. We got bigger fish to fry. Snatch the cheese off their head. Leave defenders mystified. Side Bosa with a close-up. Never post up. Leave a QB flat on a poster. No, sir. We blocking the sticks. Please understand we coming for six. Yeah.